Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. GX on Agriculture. With Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers is encouraged by Ottawa's announcement Monday regarding consultations for the development of Canada's sustainable agriculture strategy. We'll hear from CAP President Bill Campbell on that. The Western Canadian Shortline Railway Association is receiving over half a million dollars from Ottawa for a three-year marketing program. Association President Andrew Glastetter of Assiniboia will tell us about it. Soil testing in the fall is a good way to determine fertility needs for the spring, and the key to a good fertility plan is a representative soil sample. We'll hear from Dr. Diane Knight, who is a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. She says sometimes it's better to test soil in the spring when... uh, when it was planted to peas in the fall. And if we have time, we'll also tell you about the Sask Tip Rural Crime of the Month, which happened in the Craven area in late November. All of those areas, all of those stories, and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. And that's a presentation of Agriculture uh, Milligan Bio. And Milligan Bio is looking to buy your canola. Call them today at 306 306- It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers is encouraged by Ottawa's announcement Monday regarding consultations for the development of Canada's sustainable agriculture strategy. CAP President Bill Campbell is looking forward to the opportunity. Well, I think that CAP has been advocating for the inclusion of farmers when it comes to tackling these challenges affecting our sector. Uh, and yet um, the announcement demonstrates the federal government has been listening to ensure that Canadian farmers have that seat at the table and, and their participation. Um, so, uh, you know, some of our main goals are to reduce the regulatory burden for farmers and find solutions that include their perspectives. Um, You know, we need to focus on sustainable growth and practical strategies that can be applied on farm. He says CAP will be an active participant in the process. Well, there will be ongoing consultation with our membership to provide input. Um, But as far as the submission process, we will, uh, as a provincial organization, uh, be providing a submission, but uh, also the ability as a associate member of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture allows us the ability to have that, that seat at the table to ensure that farmers' voices are heard as well. Campbell notes the federal carbon tax will be going from 50 to $65 per metric ton on January 1st. 
Well, I think that's uh, part of the entire conversation with regards to um, this this challenge that society is facing. But um, you know, the the whole part of uh, sustainability uh, revolves around a three-legged stool, and and that is the environmental concerns that are being addressed here. But we also need to realize the social impacts with regards to these policies, but also the economic uh, viability of producers uh, involved in this conversation as well, so that uh, we ensure that the, the farmers remain economically viable and profitable as we move forward. He's also worried about the call for a so-called voluntary 30% reduction in fertilizer emissions by 2030. Well, insuredly so, because it is an important part of uh, what we do as agriculture to ensure that our inputs um, are safe and, and utilized to their best part. But when we speak about uh, some of these metrics, I think it comes down to a lot of data and transparency. Uh, and farmers are the ones on the ground uh, generating this data. And so when we uh, strike uh, uh, guidelines and criteria, we need to understand and have transparency with regards to what these metrics indicate. Um, You know, we've seen uh, in the last few years the evolution of the adoption of quite a few beneficial technologies with regards to for our nutrient management, uh, variable rate technology, the utilization of GPS is is widely adopted uh, in agriculture uh, in the last uh, five years even. So I'm not sure that we have the input of those particular beneficial practices when we start dealing with some of the guidelines and some of the metrics that have been um, published. Campbell wants to believe that Ottawa is entering the consultations with an open mind. Well, I I would have to think that part of the responsibility of the groups that are involved and the government is to hear and listen and adapt to the principles and policies that are brought forward. Um, If we do not have that transparency and openness and realization of everybody's input into those particular consultations and conversations that there may be that perspective. But I would like to believe that uh, the farmer's voice has been heard and will continue to be a seat at the table with input if we can provide uh, basic data-driven scientific data that provides uh, the, the criteria for the position of agriculture. He's encouraging all agricultural producers to take a long, hard look at their sustainability. Well, I'm, uh, I encourage everybody to become educated and become engaged and become aware of the circumstances that how this may affect your farm. I think that uh, moving forward, education uh, about the whole conversation is never a bad thing. Uh, we just need to be aware of how this will affect our farms how it will affect our livelihoods, and how it affects our, our future. And so the, the whole education and engagement, I think, will, will be beneficial. Uh, the outcomes, I, I think, uh, will um, dictate how successful that we have been. But uh, that, you know, is impacted by everybody's participation. Campbell then offered these final thoughts. 
I encourage everyone to uh, become aware how this will impact um, our farms, our communities, our country, uh, and all of those aspects. Bill Campbell is the president of Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Ice Futures canola contracts held relatively range-bound during the week ended yesterday, looking for some direction to push values one way or the other. Jamie Wilton, the Commodities Futures Specialist with RJ O'Brien in Winnipeg, says he's just watching South American weather now, pointing to the drought in Argentina and the relatively favorable conditions for soybeans in Brazil. From a chart standpoint, the March contract has been stuck in a range between roughly $800 and $900 per metric ton for the past six months. And Wilton expects that sideways pattern will continue barring an outside catalyst. In addition to any surprises in South American weather that could shake up the markets, Wilton says news out of the Ukraine-Russia conflict was also being followed closely. China's shifting COVID-19 measures and their potential influence on demand from that country could be another factor to watch. On the heels of the federal government announcing fertilizer tariff funds would be sent to Ukraine to rebuild the power grid there, the Grain Farmers of Ontario has released a report outlining the need for unfettered fertilizer access. Entitled Farmers Need Fertilizer, the report was authored by Josh Linville, Vice President of Fertilizer with Stonex. It outlines the complexity of global fertilizer supply, demand and price, and shows how Canada's tariffs on fertilizer have an impact for farmers in Ontario. It also explores the investments required to address the fertilizer supply in Canada in the longer term. Access to fertilizer as a food security issue was raised by the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres at COP27. Guterres's message to all parties was to remove barriers to fertilizer, to avert a global food crisis and to ensure food security. As consumer trends change, food production adjusts to meet demands. Plant-based products and ingredients have taken up residence on grocery store shelves, and this is a trend that's likely here to stay. CEO of Protein Industries Canada, Bill Gruel, says he was encouraged by discussion around sustainability in agriculture at the United Nations Climate Change Summit, COP27. He learned that both developed and developing nations have struggles within their food systems and are battling the impacts of climate change. Gruel says Canada has the opportunity to step up and not only be a provider of agriculture and food products, but also provide knowledge and solutions to reduce greenhouse gases produced by the agriculture sector. Gruel says that as demand for calories rises and food production around the world must keep up with demand, plant-based options are a great, great way for global food supply to meet nutrient demands. General Motors says it's recalling 825,000 trucks and SUVs in North America because daytime running lights may not deactivate when the headlights are on, 
potentially causing excess glare. The largest U.S. automaker said the recall covers various Cadillac CT4 and CT5, Buick Envision, Cadillac Escalade and Escalade ESV, Chevrolet Silverado 1500, Suburban, Tahoe, GMC Sierra 1500, Yukon, and Yukon XL vehicles from the 2020 through 2023 model years. The recall covers 740,000 U.S. vehicles and 85,000 in Canada. GM said the body control module software will be updated by a dealer or through an over-the-air update to address the issue. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said the vehicles do not comply with a U.S. federal vehicle safety standard and glare could reduce visibility and increase the risk of a crash. And the Newfoundland and Labrador government says the amount of crown land developed for growing fruit and vegetables has more than doubled since 2016. The Department of Fisheries, Forestry and Agriculture says over 1,200 acres has been developed for fruit and vegetable production compared to 590 hectares in 2016. Statistics Canada says there were 344 farms of all types operating in Newfoundland and Labrador in 2021. The average age of farmers in the province is 57 and a half years old, which is the third oldest in the country behind British Columbia and Nova Scotia. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. It's time now to head back out once again to Danny Ismond. And we're at Yorkton Hyundai today. That is 115 Palace Away. We're joined with service manager Kyle Caban. And uh, good day to you, Kyle. Hello. You have the deal for deals for the hard-to-shop-for person, and it's all uh, looking after a vehicle. Yeah, we got the complete detail on special for one twenty nine ninety five, and as well as the ultimates on for two nineteen right now. All right, so that's nice. So the person that doesn't want to look after their not no look after, but clean their own vehicle, you bring it in here, you guys get it all ship shaped and looking great, and uh, get a little bit of a savings as well. And uh, you know what? Heading into the new year, just want to give a thank you to everyone that's been in here too this past year. Yeah, I'd like to thank all our customers that came in this year, and wish them all the best in the next year. All right. So if they have any questions, get a hold of you. Hey, be glad to help them out. Yep. All right, there we go. If you do have questions about that, contact 1-800-565-0002. Again, you can get that complete detailing and the ultimate clean. It is a super deal. We'd love to see you on down here at 115 Palace Away. It is Yorkton Hyundai. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 154.92, down 77. April live cattle trading at 159.05, down 52. January feeder cattle trading at 183.30, down 30. March feeder cattle trading at 184.92, down 52. February lean hogs trading at 82.22, down 117. April lean hogs trading at 89.77, down 95. And that's the livestock market conditions. Commodities update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. January canola trading at 866.40, down $8.80. March canola trading at 859.50, down $1.20. 
March Minneapolis wheat trading at 924 per bushel, up six and three quarters of a cent. March Kansas City wheat trading at 862 and three quarters, up 12 and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at six, uh, 761 and a half, that's up 12 and a quarter cents. March corn trading at 653 and a quarter, up two and three quarters of a cent. January soybeans trading at 1476 and a half, down five and three quarters of a cent. March oats trading at 340 and a half, down one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. The Western Canadian Shortline Railway Association is receiving over half a million dollars from Ottawa for a three-year marketing program. Association President Andrew Glastetter of Assiniboia says a million-dollar program will be launched with the help of the federal funds. He says the purpose is to promote industrial and value-added agriculture business development on 18 short-line railways across the three Prairie Provinces. Well, we put together a program and an application to uh, Prairie's Economic Development Canada for uh, a program of just over a million dollars overall. Is the, uh, it's a, it's a marketing, uh, three-year marketing program for the Shortline Railway Association and its uh, 18 uh, Shortline Railway members. And Prairie's Economic Development Canada, we're privileged and honoured to, to say that they have come back with a commitment uh, contribution of 50% of the project funding. So a little over uh, $500,000 over a three-year period that the federal government is going to be investing in the short-line railways uh, across Western Canada. And the reason why we did this is, you know, uh, short-line railways over uh, the many years have, have proven to be uh, an important part, really, of the, uh, the overall supply chain uh, in, in Western Canada. Uh, we originate and terminate uh, kind of that first mile and last mile of uh, many freight operations and freight carloads, over 60,000 rail carloads per year just for the, the Western Canadian, just for our members. Um, and in doing that, uh, we are helping to be efficient and provide great service within the rural communities that most of our short lines operate. And uh, also we are uh, a bonus to the environment. Uh, anytime you can move something by rail versus uh, where a lot of the traffic is moving by heavy truck in our rural communities these days, whether it's grain or, or crude oil. Anytime you move it by rail versus truck, you are, uh, you know, you have a three times, we're three times more uh, fuel efficient. Uh, so you have less uh, of a carbon footprint, less uh, greenhouse gas emissions. You also have obviously less uh, beating up of uh, the road network. So less uh, tax dollars are required uh, for maintaining the uh, road highways. Uh, whereas a rail car load, uh, rail car can move up uh, to, about, you know, the same traffic that, that, you know, taking as many as three trucks off the road potentially. So we, we know where we fit in with the supply chain, and, and we have been getting some great uh, attention from uh, levels of government, the provincial and federal level, uh, with understanding our role and, and uh, how we, we can help with the efficiency and service. Uh, we offer more of a boutique-style service to our shippers. We can handle the, the large, efficient trains that interchange with no problem. We can also handle those smaller, more boutique-style, kind of tailored moves that a lot of our uh, our customers are, are looking for. So we have a high-level customer satisfaction in, in those areas. The one thing short lines have not been the greatest at really over the years is uh, tuning their own horn and, and doing the marketing and getting the, the word out there uh, to really communicate and educate uh, the public and potential shippers on how exactly how reliable we are. You know, we're here to stay. 
uh, how you know much we can contribute to the environment, contribute to uh, local employment, and uh, contribute to, generally to service and, and efficiency for our shippers to get their products to market uh, and out around the world. So. This is a program that's going to help us uh, uh, get some really good bang for our buck uh, at the the association level, first of all, where we can help, uh, uh, you know, uh, communicate uh, our different short lines and, and kind of put them on the pedestal and highlight them and, and bring them uh, to the attention of the public and the shipping community. And also uh, the second and third phase is going to be, uh, you know, a program around kind of branding and, and social media and website development and, and general marketing, uh, marketing uh, skills, techniques that we can work with each of our short lines on a one-on-one -on -one basis with some professional assistance. Just really to get the name out there. We know what we're good at and we just want to make sure we can uh, let potential shippers know, uh, you know, we're out there and how we can help them. And, and the ultimate goal is to bring more businesses or expand the businesses that are currently on the short lines to uh, attract more uh, industry uh, and uh, economics within the rural communities that we serve. So we are very excited about this. Glassdetter explains what kind of business expansion they're hoping for. Well, we have, uh, our goal is uh, to impact at least 36, over three years, at least 36 either created new uh, business opportunities on short lines, perhaps uh, grain terminals, some of the grain terminals that have been encouraged over the years to build their large terminals on the main line. Uh, we have some ideas of uh, concepts of reaching out to grain uh, companies to do that on the short line system necessarily as the, the main line system was getting pretty uh, pretty congested with the mainline terminals along the mainline. So uh, either grain terminals, we have also uh, some of our operations are involved in the energy industry, uh, shipping whether it's uh, crude products, energy products, uh, butane, propane, uh, for example, like they have, uh, they've got a brand new facility up on the Great Sand Hills Railway where they're doing thousands of carloads a year of uh, energy project uh, products coming off that line. So either new new facilities or expansions, we may have some mid, you know, smaller to mid-sized grain terminals along our line that are looking to take advantage of unit train freight rates. You know, if they could put out 100, 130 cars or so instead of, you know, 20 cars a week or 40 cars a week, if they can build an entire unit train, they get some pretty significant freight savings. Uh, that could involve but then expanding their facilities by, you know, extra storage space or extra loading capacity. Um, we can certainly help out on our end, maybe with extra track uh, capacity uh, to make that happen. So either new businesses or expanding businesses, and, and uh, a lot of the focus will be in the agriculture uh, and the energy industry areas, but any other industrial development that we can get behind uh, uh, will certainly do that. And we think uh, the marketing and, and this approach to really get our name out there and, and uh, let people know uh, what we can do and and how effective we can be, uh, we're, we're looking forward to Andrew Glassdetter of Assiniboia is the president of the Western Canadian Shortline Railway Association. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. SAS-TIP has released its Rural Crime of the Month. SAS-TIP Communication Coordinator and Conservation Officer Cody Osborne says Regina conservation officers found a wounded mule deer in late November southeast of Craven with the animal left to die. Currently in Regina, the conservation officers on November 23rd received a tip call about a mule deer that had been shot and left to die earlier on, on that morning, about seven kilometers southeast of Craven, Saskatchewan. Officers determined that the violator shot from the road, which wounded and immobilized the deer. The violator then walked up to that deer and... Once they got up to it, just turned around and walked away, leaving the deer wounded and unable to move. So 
So when officers got there, the deer was still alive and they had to put it down themselves. Some evidence was collected by, by the officers, but they're still requesting information from anyone who knows who may be responsible for this. He notes it's illegal to shoot from a roadway. They, you cannot shoot from a vehicle or on the traveled portion of the roadway, so you have to actually get off the road just in, onto the shoulder into the ditch. Osborne says it's very cruel to leave a deer to die. It is, yes. And this being a mule deer, uh, there was no mule deer season on at the time either. He's asking for the public's assistance to help determine who was responsible for this crime. Um, we are seeking help from the public. We have no, no witnesses other than who found the deer. And so anyone who knows who might be responsible if someone or if this person said something to somebody, we're, we're just looking for those people to, to come forward and do the right thing and, and report this individual. And by doing so, you can remain anonymous and you may be eligible for a cash reward up to $2,000. Osborne says it's hard to say why someone would be so cruel. Uh, a variety of factors, usually. Um, the most common, I would say, is someone just misidentified their species. Um, they're likely hunting for whitetail, thought they saw a whitetail and shot it, then when they got up to it, realized it was mule deer and got scared and just left rather than doing the right thing and reporting themselves. He outlines the penalty for this crime. For leaving an animal to waste, uh, is I believe it starts at $1,000, and then there is a animal surcharge, which varies between $400 to $1,000 again. Hunting out of season carries similar penalties, so you could be looking up to $2,800 minimum for this, and hunting suspensions and seizures as well. Osborne talks about the SaskTip program. SaskTip is a reward program established by uh, the Saskatchewan Association of Conservation Officers quite a few years ago. So it works very similar to Crime Stoppers that most people have heard of. It's just the resource um, violation form of Crime Stoppers. And he provides their contact information. If you want to report any violation, you can call 1-800-667-7561. And that's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Cody Osborne is the communications coordinator with SaskTip. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A 60% chance of flurries, winds north-northwest at 20 to 35, the temperature steady near minus 11, a wind chill of minus 23. For tonight, cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds north-northwest at 15 to 30, a low of minus 14, a wind chill of minus 25. For tomorrow, partly sunny at times. Winds north-northwest at 15 to 25, the temperature steady near minus 14, a wind chill of minus 24. For Saturday, partly sunny, winds northeast at 15 to 25, a high of minus 18. For Sunday, a 40% chance of flurries, also a high of minus 18. And Monday, a 30% chance of early flurries, then partly sunny, a high of minus 21. In the Paw and Show Lake Russell, it's minus 7 degrees, Swan River minus 8, Dauphin minus 6, Brandon minus 4, Roblin minus 10. Regina, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington all reporting in at minus 12. 
Saskatoon minus 16, Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman minus 11. The Yorkton-Melville region has light snow, a north-northwest wind at 24, gusting to 37 kilometers an hour. 85% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 11 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.